If you have your Bibles today, I want you to go with me to the last message of the My Witnesses series, and I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 8. You're going to remember something as we've made our way through this series. You're going to remember that, that this verse has been often used. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Now, no, you go to Acts 10. I'm just going to quote Acts 1, 8 to you. This, this was the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then it's, it's as if Jesus is saying is then you will be qualified. Then you will have what you need to go and be my witnesses. You can tell people everywhere. But look at this. I love that Jesus laid out specifically the order in which ministry should flow. He said it should begin in Jerusalem. Guess where the disciples were at that point? They were in Jerusalem. It's kind of like Jesus saying, we got to begin in our homes first. We got to begin in our marriages first. We got to begin in our families first. We got to begin in our church first. And then he said, as that, that begins to get right and come into alignment with my will, then I will allow you to take what's in you and move that around you to your Judea, maybe to your Sterlington, maybe, maybe to your, to your Delhi. And then he said, after that, then this thing that is so in you and saturated and permeated you, I will allow it to flow not only from within you in Jerusalem and in Judea, then out to Samaria. And then the Bible says to the utmost parts of the earth. Now, if you didn't catch the, my witnesses part one message, then you missed me showing you that that scripture was more than just a, a, a clever strategy to do ministry. It was actually the order of the book of Acts. It's the outline of how the church grew and it's also the specific, specific flow of how the Holy Spirit was poured out in the earth. This whole thing happened, Bobby, in Acts chapter two, beginning in Jerusalem. And then from Jerusalem, we picked up the storyline over in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9, and we saw it go from Jerusalem into Judea and into Samaria, and that encompassed the Apostle Paul. Now what we're going to focus on this morning is how that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, how that promise from Jesus went, not only from Jerusalem, not only from Judea, not only over into Samaria, but now we begin to see it going to the utmost parts of the earth. Now, if you were not at the Kingdom Builders Banquet, then you missed the first handouts of the Israel trip in 2023. It will be in the month of November. Something I was not able to share that night, I was scheduled with Pastor Ron Brown and many other ministers to go in 2019, and I had 56 people signed up to go with me. We were doing business with a company that when COVID hit, they were one of the only travel touring companies of Israel that made it a point to refund every one and every dollar given. That company did not file bankruptcy. They also said, we want to rebook you after this pandemic season is over. And here's our guarantee. We'll give it to you at the 2019 prices 
with double the stops in your trip than most trips offered on the open market today. You see, when you go to Israel, what you want to do is stop as many times as your body can hold up in a day because everywhere you stop, the Bible comes to life. Everywhere you stop, something happened. The pages of the scriptures just leap out at you. You have, you have to take a journal because you learn, you start getting geographical locations confused and stories mixed up. You have to take a journal. And as soon as you get back on the tour bus, you just, you just write what you saw in this place, write what you saw in this place. You say, what does that have to do with anything? I want you to go on that missions trip with me next year to Israel. And what you will see is the setting of Acts chapter 10. You will see where Peter in this chapter is in a place called Joppa, down by the sea, staying at a house with Simon the Tanner. And Peter goes up on the roof in the third hour to pray, which I mean, in the third watch of the prayer uh, time for the Jewish people, which would have been three in the afternoon. And when he goes up on the roof to pray, he falls in a trance and all of a sudden a sheet gets let down and he starts seeing all of these beasts, all of these animals. And Peter just thinks he's hungry. He just thinks it's Johnny Pizza speaking to him from last night. You'll get to see that street called straight there. You'll get to see where he will stay. You'll get to see, guess what? I can promise you it's there because guess what? Caesarea Philippi is still there and the sea Mediterranean Sea is still right there the Mediterranean Sea hasn't moved and there's still Caesarea Philippi I can't show you the house he was in but you'll see where this passage came to be it'll come to life inside of you it's like the greatest seminary training anyone can ever have it's the greatest missions trip a Christian can ever take to learn more about the Bible Here's what I want you to focus with me in on this morning in Acts chapter 10. Verses 1 through 8 is all we're going to use to leap into what God has for us as we get ready to go throw ourselves into Reach Sunday and to go be the hands and the feet of Jesus to reach our community. It says this, in Caesarea, which would have been Caesarea Philippi, there lived a Roman, not a Jew, a Roman army officer named Cornelius. This is a Gentile who was a captain, he wasn't just an ordinary foot soldier, he was a captain of the regiment called the Italian Regiment. This, this was a prominent man. Check this out, he had become a devout man, he was Jehovah God-fearing, as was everyone in his household. Side note, let me just minister for a minute. Isn't it amazing, I was at a men's retreat this weekend. I was in El Dorado, Arkansas at El Dorado First Assembly and, and spoke three different times at a men's retreat. And uh, Pastor Chris Bates, our kids pastor, traveled with me. He could testify of this. By the time we left there, these kind of weak, kind of timid, kind of kind of kind of mealy mouth men that had come in just kind of you know casual about Jesus. By the end of this thing, and I'm not saying it was me. It was God. It was their small group time. It was worship. It was the preaching of the word. By the time we left there yesterday at 5:30 p.m., those men were going hoorah, hoorah. We're, they were ready to go back to their family. We, we asked them to stand up and to, and, to, and to share in a small testimony in a couple of minutes what they had committed, what the Lord had done. And so many of them, one by one by one, said, I'm going back home with the first ministry of leading my family. I'm going back home to stop being mediocre. I'm going back home to be a good husband, not just an okay husband. I'm going back to be a good father. And you know what? That may not be baptism in the Holy Spirit.
Spirit. That may not be salvation. That may not be a rededication. But trust me, when dad goes home this morning, I promise you mom didn't have to get him up out of the bed to go to church. I promise you he didn't need an alarm. I promise you mom wasn't trying to get dad dressed just like one of the kids dressed. Dad was in the house and dad was saying, here, Cornelius, I am a devout man. I'm a God-fearing man. And how that permeates, the Bible just shows us that. It just permeated all the way through him to everyone in his family. It's amazing how when the man comes to the Lord, the whole family comes to the Lord. The whole household gets right with God when the man gets right with God. So we see here in Caesarea Philippi that this commander, Cornelius, of this Italian regiment had a personal relationship with God, Jehovah. And he's a Gentile. He wouldn't even have known Jehovah. He wouldn't even have known God if his regiment had not been assigned to the Jewish people. Now, the Jewish people are under the captivity of the Romans. The the reason the whole New Testament is written in Greek, the, the reason the whole New Testament trades Greek currency and pays tribute to Caesar is because the Jewish people were not free. When those Jewish leaders said to Jesus, have we or our fathers ever been captive? Haven't we always been free? The answer to that question was no. You've been in captivity ever since the Babylonians. The Babylonians, the Assyrians, then the Greeks, and now the Romans. The Romans were oppressing them. And this man was sent there as an oppressor to keep the Jewish people under his thumb. But what he didn't know is as he went there to keep them under the Roman thumb that he would get infected with the infectious relationship of Almighty God. And he himself has become a proselyte to the Jewish religion. Now he's trying to hold captive the very people's religion that has taken him captive. Wow. It's like the jail guard or the prison guard that's rough on the jailhouse conversion guy, that's rough on the jailhouse preacher, and then over time, throughout that relationship, the guard ends up coming to the Lord because of the faith of the jailhouse conversion prisoner that's held in the prison cell. I've seen it, trust me, my friend. The Bible says that he gave generously to the poor and he prayed regularly to God. That didn't make him devout. Those were just the signs of his devoutness. So many people today are trying to get the works in front of the relationship, trying to get the the, the cart in front of the horse. And here's how this thing works with God. You don't get good and then get God. You get God and then out of your relationship with God starts flowing the goodness of God out of him changing your heart. Had a young man tell me last week, well, I'll be back to church when I get right with God. I said, man, you have missed the memo, the mission statement of Oaks Church. We are a church full of people that need to get right from the front row to the back row, from the left side to the right side. You just come on in, brother. God will get you right. God will get you right. You just, you just find you a seat. I promise the roof won't fall in. Roof won't fall in. His, his devoutness to God, the, the works are flowing out of his faith here, and he gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly. And one afternoon also, check this out, at 3 o'clock, this would have been the same time that Peter was hungry up on the roof. One afternoon at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, he's in this time of prayer in the third hour of prayer of the day, and he sees a vision, and there's an angel of God coming towards him, and this angel says, Cornelius... Cornelius stared at him in terror and says, what is it, sir? He asked the angel, and the angel replied, check this out, 
your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now the King James says this, I, I'm just gonna marinate here for a minute because I, I came stirred up today. I've been in church, this is my fourth church service all weekend, so I'm just living in a constant state of church service revival. I don't have no voice because I've sang every worship song that I knew to sing this weekend and even prayed in tongues till I was out of breath multiple times. Listen to me, this guy who's having this encounter, Cornelius, with the angel of the Lord, this statement is made by the angel of the Lord and in the King James or the New King James, it kind of says it to me. It says your prayers and your offerings have come up as a memorial before God. Now, I don't know if that registers in your brain. I'm not talking about buying your way into heaven. I'm not talking about you performing good works as if that's ever going to move God. It all starts with faith. It all starts with a right relationship with God. It all starts with surrendering your heart to Jesus. But what the Bible also tells us is when we gave this morning or we gave last week or we gave to the Salvation Army or we gave to St. Jude's cancer or whatever we did that we may have given here and it may have been forgotten by men, but there it is received and it is ever standing as a witness before God of what you did for him and on his behalf before heaven. And it seems as if that giving and those prayers and those memorials, they come up before God and when God is sitting on his throne and he's looking for a Gentile's house to pour out the Holy Spirit to usher in the birth of the church world in the western regions of the globe that he looked and he saw a devout man who was a Roman who had been sent to take Jewish people captive who had surrendered his heart to Jesus and had become so devout that he gave to the poor that he built a synagogue that he was devoted and God said send it right there he can be trusted with the outpouring of the blessing of the Holy Spirit I don't know if you get that but the things you do don't have to come up before me they don't have to come up before Pastor Rhonda. They don't have to come up before our trustee board. They don't have to come up before our kids pastor or any church in this community. When you give, you give because God tells you to give. You give in secret. You give out of passion. You give out of being moved. And you can always be confident that is a witness on your behalf before the throne of God. And the Bible says, not me, the Bible says that that caught God's eye. That caught God's eye. That caught God's eye. That caught God's eye. That, that's, that's astonishing to me. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up before God and been received as an offering. They now stand as a monument, a memorial before God in heaven, the King James says. The angel goes on to say, now send some men to Joppa. Oh, I can't wait to take you to Joppa. And summon a man there named Simon Peter. He is staying with another Simon who is a hide tanner and they're living near the seashore. Guess what? That sea, that sea has never moved. I'm going to take you right there to where that sea is at. You're going to say, well, okay, the Mediterranean Sea never moved. Oh, you mean those ancient ruins over there are bricks and stones that are 30 feet deep in the ground? You mean that was the city of Joppa? Yep, there it was right there. That's where Peter was praying. Acts 10 is going to come to life. All of a sudden, the angel says to him, 
go and do this. You're going to find him at Simon's house down by the Mediterranean Sea by the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called. Look at this. As soon as the angel was gone. How many of you, I just want to challenge you for a moment. This little bit of preaching before we get into the reach event today. How many of you, when God speaks to you, move right then? How many of you, how many of you keep a notepad by your phone? How many of you are saying, well, God hasn't spoke to me lately. And it could be that God's saying, last time I spoke to you, you didn't act on what I told you to do. How many of you, when God speaks about a change in your marriage, when God speaks about a change in your family, when God speaks about a change in your walk, when God speaks to you about an attitude, oh, you want me to be messy and go on a little deeper, when God speaks to you about forgiveness, when God speaks to you about doing something you really don't want to do, how many of us, how many of us act right then? Because that's what Simon is recorded here saying about Cornelius. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and he called a devout soldier. Now, check this out. I don't know if you get this. This is a Roman soldier about to play a part in the expansion of the church. This is a Roman soldier about to play a part in the expansion of the gospel to the Gentile people. He called this devout soldier, again, a Roman soldier of the Italian regiment, one of his personal attendants, and he told them, what had happened, and he sent them off to Joppa, sent them off to Joppa. There's just three statements that I want you to write down today, and they're going to put this first one on the screen so I can make short of what it is that I know God's placed on my heart today. And as I make each of these statements, maybe you want to write them down, and then I'm just going to take a moment and let the Holy Spirit blow on me and move as we work our way through these. Number one, the very first thing that I want you to take away from this statement today as we as Oaks Church go out for Reach Sunday is they learned that all people were candidates for salvation. The first church, my witnesses, God's witnesses, Peter learned, the first church of Jerusalem learned, James learned, they learned that all people were candidates for salvation. Now, I know that seems very elementary. I, I know that seems very simple. Let, let me show you that in the scriptures. Basically, it's summed up in verse 28. It says, Peter told them, you know it's against our laws. It's against our traditions. It's against our customs for a Jewish man to have anything to do with a Gentile man and especially to enter your home and to associate with you. Now, imagine the world that we live in today. If somebody walked in, Oaks Church on Sunday morning, and I'll just let your creative mind fill in the blank of what that scenario would be. And we walked out into our lobby and we said, well, you know what? as Spirit-filled people, or as Oaks Church people, or as, or as New Testament Christians. You know, it's, it's really against our traditions that we would have anything to do with you, a transgender. It's, it's, it's really against our tradition that we would have anything to do with you, an addict, that, that we would really have anything to do with you in an openly homosexual relationship. I know I'm meddling, but I'm meddling for it. Well, it's really against our tradition that I would have anything to do with you because you've got an ankle bracelet on, or maybe you're of a different ethnicity, or maybe Maybe you live on a different side of town, or maybe you come from a social economic bracket, or maybe you were a Muslim, or maybe you were a Hindu, or maybe you were something else. But what I'm dogmatically forcing on us this morning from the scripture is that the early church had to undo some traditions. The early church had to undo some teaching that wasn't copacetic with the advancement of the gospel. They had to see all people, black, white, rich, poor, old, young, drug addict, 
alcoholic convict, no matter who they were, no matter what they were, they had to learn that all people were candidates for the saving grace of God, that all people could be saved, that all people could come to the knowledge of the truth. And listen to me, I just want to be honest with you. And we're going to use Peter so you don't feel embarrassed. They really had an argument about that. They, they really didn't like that. And you would think after God spoke definitively right here, that that just settled it. You, you, you would just think, check this out, and I'm gonna, draw, I'm gonna draw a parallel here that's gonna help some of us. You would think the way this proselyte Gentile, Cornelius, responded to God as soon as he said, send and get Peter, would have been how the early church would have responded once God said all people are clean. Isn't it amazing that oftentimes lost people will respond quicker to God than church people? Peter says, have you lost your mind to God? I mean, we're all bragging about Job saying, where were you and why did you make me? Peter said, no, I ain't eating it. I'm pure. I'm clean. I've never eaten anything. This is against our tradition. And God said, hello, McFly, is anyone home? And the sheep came down again a second time. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. He said, no, I ain't doing it. That's unclean. I've never done it. She comes down, Peter, rise, kill and eat. Watch this, God's knocking on the doors of Peter's heart. God sent an angel in a vision. Peter's seen this beautiful picture of God getting ready to include those things that the church would say are off limits. And because Peter's refusing the knocking of God at the door of his heart, the next knocking he hears is now a knocking at the physical front door. Oh, you don't want to listen to God in the spirit realm. I'm going to start talking to you in the natural realm. Now, I don't know who that's for in this house today, but trust me when I tell you, if you don't listen, when he knocks on the door of your heart, when he knocks on the door of your spirit, the next knocking you will hear will be in the physical realm. All of a sudden, the car tires start knocking. All of a sudden, the wife will start knocking. All of a sudden, the business will start knocking. God will start knocking until he gets your attention. Peter said, who is that? And they said, I don't know. Is somebody looking for you about going over there with them? Can I show you how insecure Peter was? Can, can I show you how worried he was? He said, well, mm, boy, if I go down there to OCC, God, if I, if I go down there under the bridge with Hope Street Ministry, well, if we go over there to Life Choices, well, well if we go over there to the frontage road and do an outreach and, and people show up from there or here, or something like, man, I, 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 bet, I better take some people with me that'll, that'll have my back. So Peter, instead of just saying, peace out, I'm gone, Peter looks over at some Jewish circumcised believers and says, I'll go if y'all will go. Because I at least want to have a defense. I at least want to have an alibi 
that I won't be in trouble alone, that at least we'll all be in trouble with the big church of Jerusalem, that we all went over there and started ministering to some people that other people would rather forget about, that other people would rather look over, that other people would rather some other church or some other outreach or some other ministry. I, I don't want to go over there and do that. That's too much burden for me alone. But if you'll go, we'll share the burden and I'll go. I would love to tell you that ended the debate. I would love to tell you as we preach through Acts chapter 10 today, you're going to see that the church was like, man, this is great. God knew what he was talking about. We're going to remain in obedience and be his servants and walk out preaching of this gospel. They didn't. After this happened, they had to have a special council in Acts chapter 15 because things got so crazy about why in blue blazes did you Jews go over there? Did you Oaks Church Christians go over there and keep company with those lost people? They had to have a meeting about it. And finally, in Acts chapter 15, they said, well, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. Seeing how God sent us, he did what he did, and they got what we got. Who are we to argue with God? And what I'm trying to share with you this morning is we have to move our hearts today. And I'm, I'm just challenging you. I'm not preaching down to anybody. I'm not condemning anybody. I, I was stirred last week by Pastor Denny. I was reminded what we're supposed to be doing. I'm reminded about why Oaks Church is here, about why we moved home, about who our audience is and who we should be going after. I'm just trying to encourage you today, stir you today, that everybody out there is able and capable and is a candidate to receive salvation. Many of them don't even know they need it. They're not even looking for it. They're looking for love in all the wrong places. But we who are in tune with God, that know the heart of God and the will of God, we have to be the hands and feet and look for those spirit-led open doors of opportunity to give them what God gave the church to give the world. The World Series is going on right now. Right, World Series. Anybody know the score? Anybody know the count of the World Series? 1-1. One, one. Uh, anybody, anybody in here know that, that we're in the midterm elections? Midterm elections. Anybody know who's won right now? Anybody know who's won right now? Anybody know what happened to Nancy Pelosi's husband two nights ago? Is, does anybody know what the interest rate is in the market right now? Does anybody know when deer season opens? Does anybody know the price of rice bran? Has anybody's wheat come up right now? Is, is, is anybody getting any good deer on camera? We know a lot of stuff today, right? We know a lot about a lot, but here's what I can tell you about every one of those things that I just mentioned. My wife can tell you when Zara's having a sale. My wife can tell you what's happening with my kids' homework at school. I, I, I'm just telling you, we all know a lot about a lot, but there are very few of those entities and organizations that I just mentioned that are called of God, appointed by God to preach the gospel to the world. I'm sorry, no matter who who won, Houston Astros or the Philadelphia Phillies? I didn't see anybody stand up and preach Jesus to the audience. I didn't see anybody stand up and say the gospel is the hope of a lost and a hurting and a broken and a divided nation as well as the world. There's one organization that God birthed in the church to reach the world and that is the church. You and I alone hold the message of eternal life and we have to re-engage that mission because we've mission drifted and to all these other missions. Second thing I want to tell you today is God's witnesses in the early church, these, these kingdom building people, 
They carried an internal and an instant message of the good news. They, they carried an internal instant message of the good news. Can, does anybody see me operate? And this isn't about me. This is not false humility. Anybody see me? You, you see what I got up here today, right? I got a phone with a Bible scripture pulled up. That, that's what I got. Because you know what happened? Because when I left my house this morning, it's crickets o'clock dark with my daughter to come up here and have fun with my favorite small group of the week, transforming this building from an event center into Oaks Church for all of us to come and enjoy God's presence and to be prayed for and to be healed and to fellowship and to be encouraged and to be strengthened in our faith. When I came up here to do that this morning, I actually forgot one thing because I'm human. I forgot my notes. I forgot my iPad. In about 15 minutes when I'm outside hugging necks and loving on people and trying to remember to do things and people are waiting to pray, I said, I don't have any notes. And somebody looked at me and said, do I need to? I said, we ain't going to get them anyways. That's why you got to have it in your heart. I said, I feel like I preach better anyways that way. You got to have an instant onboard message of the hope of salvation, of what Jesus can do at a drop of a hat. And these guys had it. These gals had it. Check this out. Acts chapter 10, verse 36. So let me run you through the chapter here because I'm just skipping high point to high point. Peter finally, after arguing with the Lord and he gets his crew together, he goes over there to this Gentile's house and he walks in the front door and he says, why are y'all looking for me? You would think the vision would have been enough. What do y'all want with me? You know, it's that first thing he tells them is a rebuke. I'm not supposed to be here with you. You're not good enough. God, you're not God's people. I'm not supposed to come in your house, but I came anyways. Nonetheless, what do you want? And they said, well, all I know is at the same time you were praying, our commander was praying and an angel showed up and said your giving and your devoutness and your alms have come up as a memorial before God go get Peter he's going to tell you the words of life isn't it amazing that God didn't say go get John or go get James or go I don't know even though Peter was hard-headed what I can tell you in his imperfection and in his hard-headedness like Pastor Chad said this morning took Jesus two times take some of us a hundred times what Peter did have was the onboard instant message and the ability once the right buttons were pushed to tell somebody about Jesus. And Peter begins to say, as they pressed him for it, this is the message of the good news for all of the people of Israel that God is now bringing peace with all humanity through his Lord and Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he is the Lord of all. And as Peter started preaching that message, the Bible says they didn't have three points. They didn't have a worship praise break. They didn't have a prayer time. They didn't have an altar call. That all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was poured out in that place. And people began began to repent of their sins and to weep and Cornelius bowed his knees to Jesus and Jesus was accepted as his Lord and Savior. Then his wife did, then his children did, then his household service did, then the slave did. And the very next thing they said was, how can we argue with what God is doing? Because these Gentiles received exactly what we received on the day of Pentecost. Can somebody get a horse trough? Can we water baptize these people? They carried an onboard instant message here's what i've discovered if we're always looking for a note if we're always trying to remember a podcast if we're always trying to remember somebody else's sermon at least we're in the fight at least we're encouraged enough to remain in the tension of the struggle but there's one thing better than trying to emulate jesus and and that is 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 to 
is, is to let Jesus flow from within you because you've got so much of him in you that he can just flow out of you and you begin to imitate Jesus without any effort. What I'm trying to say is it's good to be looking for someone else to have something good to say, but it's altogether something different to have enough of him in you that when somebody makes the mistake down at the local restaurant, when somebody asked you for the hope of glory, when somebody asked you why you serve and why you give and why you love and why you forgive, and why you don't hold grudges and why you move on it, why you lead your family and why you've surrendered your life. You need to be able to tell them this is better than winning the Powerball. This is better than owning a new boat. This is better than living in a mansion. This is better than living in heaven. This is better than having all the money in the world. This is what it means to have life, to have identity, to have hope, to have a future, to have purpose. And that is to know Lord, to know you the way of the Lord. They had an onboard instant message. And an onboard instant message. Now, 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 you know, scheduled speaking is good. But, but here's what I can tell you about God. Oftentimes, God don't schedule your speaking. <coughs> Forgive me. Man, I've been battling cold for months, it feels like. Um, tell you a story as Pastor Chad comes today and Pastor Chad, I'm going to get you. Somebody said, Pastor John is closing. Yep. They said, Lord, we're going to be out of here by 1130. Sure are. <laughs> we want you to get your kids. We want you to round your families up. The balloon launch is going to be over at the frontage road, the candy drop. The, all the money raised for Boys and Girls Missionary Challenge is going to lead to the sliming of Pastor Chris. There, there's going to be all kind of vendors and just everything. I had so much, I don't even know it all. It's going to be, we want you to get your stuff, go do what you got to do, and get on over there. Come on, 2.30, 3 o'clock, we're starting radio station. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a fantastic day of outreach. And we, and we hope people come from every side of town. We hope, we hope people come from both sides of the river. We, we hope people come that are only there. I, listen, I really hope there's some people that come just to get candy. Well, you mean tell me y'all spend all that money just for people? Yep. Yes, yes. They thought they was coming to get candy. But when I looked up and Blake Weatherly had one of them over in the corner and he was telling them about his witness, telling them about Jesus, tell, telling them about how God saved his life, telling them about how God blessed him with a beautiful wife, how God has taken care of his business, how God's provided for his children. When, when I look up and I, and I see Uncle Jeff over there got one of those young men Somebody said to me the other day, you know, y'all all got hard jobs, but Uncle Jeff, he's got a very special job at Oaks Church. Not, not only does he have the parking lot, and the parking lot's got to run rain, hail, sleet, snow, but let me tell you who usually works with Uncle Jeff. The guys that need the most help. The guys that need a dad, they don't understand planning center. They don't understand glib. They're, they're coming back into society. They're, they're, they're grateful to be a church, got a big smile on their face. They're not, they're not there, but they're here. And I look up and, and Uncle Jeff, I'm like, where is the golf cart? And I look back there and Uncle Jeff's got the golf cart parked. And I see him talking to one of those guys. That wasn't a scheduled speaking opportunity but it was a divinely appointed speaking opportunity. 
And listen to me, I got to tell you something. I loved having Pastor Denny here last week, and I love, you know, our leaders and overseers coming, Pastor Don Gibson, Pastor Ted Pago, Pastor Denny. But listen to me, it's not the things that these men say in the pulpit that impact my life the most. It's the things they say to me in the front seat of a car. It's the things they send me in text. It's the encouragement they give me at a table. If we're all waiting on a podium, listen, you, you do understand this is the smallest part of my job. You, I mean, listen to me, this is the smallest. When you're young and you're going to work at a church, you think you sit around in an office all day praying and levitating and speaking in tongues. You get to write messages. And then very quickly you understand that that is not at all. At all. And, and matter of fact, most churches and pastors and ministers that make this the bulk of their job, their churches do very poorly. Ministry is out here. I don't want to do so much of this. I don't have no energy for you when you need my energy. I, I, I don't want to do so much liability insurance and architectural plans that when your marriage is on the rocks, I don't have a word from God to give you that you need for a good slap in your face or a shot in your arm. It's those divinely appointed moments. I want to tell you about one this week. How many of you were challenged by Pastor Denny last week? All right. So many of the staff and I, and I, and I, and I promise I'm, I'm taking us somewhere. Many of the staff and I were uh, blessed. You, you may not know this, but we planted Oaks Church with a couple of different organizations. And one of them is the Church Multiplication Network. They, they believe what we believe, that the, the local church is the hope of the world. They, they believe that there should be a church in every community. And they believe every local church should be healthy and that should begin with a healthy pastor and pastoral team. And, and we partner with them to learn from them. And we went down to New Orleans this week to be in a CMN session. We had a hoot, man. It was a quick trip, like 24 hours. We were down and we were right back. And we had all went a certain way and on the way back, the, the GPS had taken us a different way than, than we had gone down. And all of us that were in the car together, we, we were like, we were like, no, this ain't the way. And we were like, oh, no, 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 we want to go. And, and so we're driving and everybody's like, we're turning around. We, we, so we're going, because we, we're setting our ways. We want to do it the way we want to do it. Our GPS says we're wrong. But our God positioning system said we were right. And we were driving down this road, and it was about 30 minutes before dark, and we got ready to top this hill, and there was a, a black Chevrolet Trailblazer, an older model. It was on the opposite side of the highway. It was facing towards us, and about 100 yards in front of it, there was a young African-American man. I love this. He had on skinny jeans. He had on skinny jeans. He had on some uh, Timberland boots. He had on a sweater, like a red and a black and a green sweater. I don't know why I would remember all this stuff, just the memory God's here. Had a big gold chain on with a pendant in the middle. He, he had, his hair was wavy, he looked good. He, he, he had his little hat on. And man, you would have never known this brother was out of gas. He was. <laughs> and we just came, Bobby, from where he was walking towards. He was walking towards Crystal Springs. We're about three miles down the road. He got three miles to go, it's 30 minutes. And he's got like, like anybody seen the windshield fluid cleaner, clear jugs? He's got a windshield fluid. I'm not making fun of him. Listen, I've been there. <laughs> he, he, was, he was getting it. So I, I said, we, on, we blew by him. Everybody's like, we're turning around. We, we're going the wrong way. And Miss Brittany looked at me. This killed me this week. They, 
They told me Foster calls her Miss Bitney. Miss Bitney, that's been, that's been tickling me all week, Miss Bitney. I looked over at Miss Bitney and uh, she said, we turning around that way. And I said, God, I, was... I said, we turning around. And she looked at me, I looked at her and I said, you know what we turning around for? She said, that guy. I said, yup. And he, he just, I mean, he don't have his hand up. He ain't looking at nobody. He getting it. We pulled up behind him. I said, hey. He turned around and looked. I said, come on, get in the car. He said, y'all here for me? I said, yeah, come on, get in the car. So he got in the car, and Chris scooted over, and Jonathan scooted over. And when he got in the car, he, he said, I, I, the best I can remember, he said, man, I, I lost all my little money at the boat. I just put my last money in the car. And he's telling us all these reasons why he's disqualified, all these reasons why we shouldn't be picking him up. And I'm not making this up. All these reasons why we shouldn't. People don't stop today the way the world, nobody picks people up in Mississippi. You know, I lost all my money, all, all this. I said, Chris, I said, what's your name? He said, my name's Chris. I said, Chris, it's okay. We got, well, I ain't, well, uh, what I, I, not, not only am I out of gas, I don't have no money. I said, Chris, it's okay, it's okay. So we go up to the store. And I, I, said, I, I said, guys, I'm going to go in. And when I turned around and looked, there was debit cards like this. Everybody in the car was like this. Yeah. Yeah. I said, oh, no, uh-uh, no, I'm getting this blessing. No, sir, y'all, uh -uh. Miss Bitney said, no. I said, nope. So I went on in the store and I said, sir, I said, sir, I need $10 on gas. And I said, man, that ain't no gas, that little winch. And I looked down and there was a jug of water. It was like $3.99. And I said, sir, can I add this? Yes, he was a Muslim guy. I said, yes. He said, yes. I said, can I add this? So I said, hold on one second. I, I, left. I opened the front door. I propped it open. I took the cap off the water jug, $3.99. I'm pouring it right in this front door as people's coming in. He's looking at me. I said, can I buy this? He said, yes. It's like $3.89 or something, and I paid for it. And I went outside, and, and, and Chris was bent over. He was just about finished. The pump had come on. And, and we set a water jug down there. And he said, y'all need gas too? I said, no, Chris, that's for you. <laughs> Chris, this is for you. So, so we put in, he's filling up the things, and we look up. He said, oh, that ain't, that ain't but $7. He said, hold on one second. I said, Chris, where you going? We're going to take you back. He said, no, I'm going to tell him, hold him $3. When I drive up here, I'm coming to get them $3. I said, Chris, if he'll do it. I said, Chris, if he'll do it, you can have them, man. No problem. No problem. So sure enough, he come out and said, all right, he's going to hold it for me. So Chris gets in the car. Whole car smells like gasoline. I mean, like, like, like we got a carburetor leaking. I mean, here we go, three miles back down the road. And, and I said, uh, I said, Chris, uh, you know, you know our GPS sent us down here. He said, what? I said, oh, we, we came the other way and it put us through this Utica turnoff. We, we, this ain't the way we come. He said, man, God sent y'all down here for me. I said, I said, I said, and he said it. I didn't say nothing about God. He said, man, God sent y'all down here for me. I said, Chris, I said, you, you know we all pastor a church. He said, what? I said, yeah, we pastor. He said, where at? Y'all in Vicksburg, y'all in Jackson. I said, no, we're in Monroe. Oh, I know what I said. He said, man, y'all going the wrong way. I said, I said, I know. God knows. There, I have witnesses. They're here. This all happened. And I said, no, Chris, we, we, we didn't go the wrong way. I said, I said, God sent us down here for you. He said, y'all God's children. 
Y'all God's children. Ain't nobody picking up nobody out here on this road. God knew I was out of gas. And we pulled up in the middle of the road. And, and Miss Bittany just stopped in the middle of the road. I, I mean, I'm into the moment, but I'm also like, God, Lee, don't let an 18-wheeler pull over this hill and kill us all trying to, trying to help Chris. We stopped in the middle of the road. And I said, Pastor Chris, Pastor Jonathan, you guys put your hands on, on, on Chris and start praying for him. I said, Chris, can we pray for him? He said, yep. They started praying, and in the middle of praying for him, I turned around, and, and, and it don't always happen. I just felt like, felt like the Lord gave me a word, and as they finished praying, I said, Chris, here's what I want you to know, that the Lord sent us to you today because you've been away from the Lord. You've been running from the Lord. And he went... <laughs> <laughs> and, and I said, the Lord sent us. wasn't an inconvenience as a sign, as a testimony. That, that he knows right where you're at, even though you're running and even though you're, you're, you're trying to go a different way, he knows right where you're at and he's loved you and he's never given up on you and he just wanted you to know today. And I said, Chris, I just want to ask you right now, do you know the Lord? Will you repeat after me? And I said, Father God, he said, Father God, and we led him through the sinner's prayer and he accepted Jesus right there in the car. And, and we said, Father, we want you to fill Chris with the Holy Spirit. We want Chris to be full of your presence. And, and we prayed for him and Chris got saved and Chris got out on the street. He said, man, God sent y'all to me. God sent y'all to me out here on the side of this road, man. God, y'all God's children, man. And when Chris closed the door, we drove off. It was quiet in the car. And I said, did y'all see what Chris had in his left hand? And Pastor Chris Bates said, yeah, he had a crack pipe in his left hand. I said, you're right. He had a crack pipe in his left hand. I saw it in his hand when he was pumping the gas. I don't know if Chris drove out of that experience with gas to go to the crack house. I, I don't know if Chris drove out of that experience and threw that crack pipe out on the side of the road and got his life. I don't know if, if Chris got in a high-speed police chase later that night because he robbed somebody and he's sitting in jail. But what I can tell you is Chris will forever remember the moment that God sent somebody that didn't see him as a crackhead, that didn't see him as a black man, that didn't see him as broke down, that didn't see him in need, that didn't see him bankrupt. He will forever remember that there were four people crazy enough with an onboard instant message willing to tell him that God loved him and had a plan of salvation for him. Last thing I want to say today, that's not made up, that's not scripted. If we need to end, we can end. I'm going to ask you to be seated. Here's what I love about this passage of Scripture today, and it's the perfect ending point of this series, perfect ending point for our morning today. Number three, they're going to put it on the screens. God's witnesses saw the Holy Spirit poured out on all of those who came to believe. No matter if it was in Jerusalem, no matter if it was in Judea, no matter if it was in Samaria or as this gospel account. And if we had more weeks, I would take you to Acts 19 next week and I would show you when it finally started going into Ephesus and really into the Western world. Every time God's witnesses stood up and proclaimed this message, everybody who heard was filled and received the Holy Spirit.
I don't know that we've ever had this altar call at Oaks Church, but here's what I can tell you today. I don't know better than God. God knows better than me. And this afternoon, I'm asking you as a part, an integral part, a precious part of Oaks Church to go with me to do outreach in our community. And I know God has already said, you're not capable of doing it unless you have and are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's no doctrinal pretense here. There's no denominational requirements. All that's required today, this isn't a dog and pony show. This isn't a you jump through hoops. All that's required today is for you to stand up and to say, I want to be a witness. I don't want to just give to kingdom builders and send missionaries. I want to be a part of kingdom builders. I want to participate. I want to share my divine moment. I want to share God's story in my life. I want to be filled with the creative power, the charismatic gift of the Holy Spirit so that I can move on, so that I can be powerful, so that I can forgive, so that I can love. I want to give you a nugget. Are you ready for this? Agape love, the love of God is never mentioned in the New Testament without being connected to the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the love of God has been shed abroad. That is the agape, not philos love, not eros love, not all these other kind of, the agape love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. How? When we were filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't love the hurting. I can't love the broken. I can't forgive. I can't be creative. I can't do what God's told me to do unless I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I didn't say if you prophesy. I didn't say if you fall down on the ground. I didn't say if your name was registered in the membership at the local Baptist church. I didn't ask you about none of that. All those things are cool and great and they have a time. What I said is, are you full of the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit will make you love. The Holy Spirit will make you repent. The Holy Spirit will make you forgive. The Holy Spirit will make you witness. The Holy Spirit will make you give stuff away. Oh my goodness. This past week after Kingdom Builders, I just didn't even look for several days. I, I ain't belly aching. I'm not crying. I just didn't even look. I knew what God told Brooke and how to do. I didn't know where it was going to come from. I, didn't, I just didn't even want to look because I knew it wasn't there. Holy Spirit will make you give things, change your schedule, rearrange your priorities. <laughs> I wish you'd stand up with me on your feet today. I want to invite everyone in this room. This, this isn't about anything other than coming to this altar and saying, I need a fresh dose. I need a fresh dose. I, I need a new infilling to go out and to do. We're not going to do the balloon launch here today. We're, we're going to do the deposit today of the Holy Spirit. I want everyone in this room, if you would, just come make your way. Come make your way. Listen, this is the dismissal today. I want everyone to come. I want you to fill in all the way over here. I want you to fill in all the way over here. Come on, I want you to get ready to lead us, sing us, sing that song again, take us back into worship. I'm not going to come and lay my hands on every person. I don't, I don't believe I have the Holy Spirit to give you. When I lay my hands on you, it's just a point of contact, just a touch of belief that God will do it. But here's what I believe, that if we can get together as a church right now in unity with a heart for this community, with a heart to truly be the hands and feet, with a heart to truly build the kingdom, with a heart to truly reach out, that we can see things done that will shake this region 
that will revive souls, that will ignite passion and family.